Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. This podcast hosts the weekly Sunday message from Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York, pastored by Mark Scorsone. We hope this resource encourages, challenges, and helps you on your journey with God. So whether you're driving, washing dishes, or sitting in your living room, let's prepare our hearts together as we hear the word of the Lord. All right, all right. Let's open up to Psalm 84. For about a month now, maybe a little more, and if you've, you've talked with me, I've probably talked about this psalm with you, it's been on my heart. It's like, I go down, I go to my prayer room in the morning, and I just, I've just left my Bible open at this psalm for, yeah, the past month, and don't usually make it too far <laughs> before he starts touching me. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a nest finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Bacah, they make it a place of springs. The early rain covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, each one appears before God in Zion. And when I first read this in particular, verse 5 stood out. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. In the New King James, it says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. And in the Old Testament, we know Zion was Jerusalem. This was the place, the Lord's dwelling place, where his temple was and where his courts were. And I was talking with John Bonestall about this a couple weeks ago. He was sharing how every three times throughout the year, the men would leave their homes and travel miles and miles to go to Zion, to be in the temple, to be in his dwelling place. And the name of our church is Zion Fellowship. And it's, I don't, I just noticed this, I was looking at randomly at our Facebook page, and when you click the logo of Zion Fellowship, it has, it says, Zion Fellowship, a community regarded as sacredly devoted to God. See, he's not just called us to a three times per year pilgrimage to Zion. And it's not once every seven days that we come to Zion. The central call of God to his bride, us, the church, is to come daily, continually to him, to his secret place. And as Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure in the Gospel of John, he tells them that He who loves him will be loved by his Father, 
and he will manifest himself to them. And Jude says, or Thaddeus says, how will you manifest yourself to us? In verse 23 of John 14, he says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He has made his home with us, within us. We no longer have to go on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. I was born in Jerusalem. My parents were both missionaries there. Me and both of my brothers were, all, all, yeah, all three of us were born there. And we moved shortly after I think I turned two, so I don't really, I didn't really remember it. My wife and I returned uh, five, six years ago, and that's a journey, and it was special, and it was beautiful to be in those places and walk where he walked, and to see the stones of the temple of the Western Wall. But I'm so thankful <laughs> I don't have to buy a plane ticket every time I want to be in that place with him. <laughs> So as we pursue him, as we love him, highways are built in our heart to him, to Zion. And something really special starts to happen when our hearts are full of highways to the secret place. We've been talking about identity. Do you know what happens to your identity when you dwell in the secret place? I do. <laughs> your identity is no longer what someone else said about you or your past. Your identity is no longer tied to your talents, your skills, your work, your hobbies. I, I remember my, my Uncle John, he taught me when I was young, that within five minutes of talking to someone, you can typically find out what they are passionate about. What are they about? And a few years ago, I noticed that if whenever I was talking to someone, I was talking about two, three things. Number one, real estate, because I was buying, flipping houses on the side. Now I'm buying self-storage facilities, so that, was, that comes out. That, second, I would talk about fishing, find out if they're into hunting or fishing. And usually that was enough to kind of find out, is this a, someone I want to talk to or not? But <laughs> it wasn't him. And I stopped myself. I, like, I don't want the identity of Philip Thomas to be about real estate and fishing. If they don't know how much I love Jesus after talking to me, I'm missing something. So I... So our identity, it's not, no longer to just share our interests. It's no longer to please man. It's no longer motivated to impress others. And this is a good one. Our identity is no longer to elevate yourself. And so oftentimes in the church, we all, what's, what's wonderful about the Lord is that he makes his home with us so unique, and he anoints us and he touches us so deeply. And what what naturally seems to happen 
is that you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you get touched by the Lord, and then you start looking around like, is anyone else noticing how anointed I am? Is anyone else seeing the talent that is right here? Do you not know how well I could lead worship and how good I could preach? My small group leader, he didn't even call me to share what I thought about the message. And so what happens is we try to elevate ourselves. And we try to get positions, even here. It's just like Pastor Mark, when I was telling about this sermon, he said, yeah, it's just like the disciples. Who's going to sit at your right hand, Jesus? I'm a really good candidate. (laughs) When we spend time in his courts, we don't care if anyone ever recognizes our talents or our abilities. We don't care what anyone thinks of us because we know who we are. And we know who he is. Oh, no. We become strengthened with power through the Spirit in our inner being so that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we are filled with all the fullness of God. We are sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we go through the valley of Bacal, we make it a place of springs. The early rain covers it with pools, and we go from strength to strength, each one appearing before God in Zion. Amen. That's what happens when you dwell with him in the secret place. And you see, all identity and fruitfulness flows out of that place with him. Let's turn to John 15, verse 1. John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Skipping down to verse 4, he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And I was thinking about, it's funny that, it, so, it's so ordained that Rachel shared about her tree this morning. As I, was, as I was preparing for this, I was thinking about the trees. And I, I recently had to cut down some, some trees because uh, we're getting ready to put in a new retaining wall. And we had this massive oak tree and hickory tree and maple tree right next to our house. And... Um, First of all, it's, it's horrible to cut down a live tree. <laughs> I kind of felt like an orc in the rings of power, if anyone's a fan. <laughs> but, um, 
you know, so as, but as you cut down a tree, you can, you can, sometimes these trees can look so healthy, but as you cut through them with your chainsaw, you know, all of a sudden you notice the center is hollow and rotted. You can still bear fruit sometimes, but your center can be starting to rot. We want good fruit. We want to see lives transformed by the same power that transformed us. We long to see radical healings and deliverances and prophecies and mighty miracles and revivals. But what do we want more? The gift or the gift giver? To be healed or the healer? To be righteous or receive his righteousness? To see revival or be alone with the one who revives? And the answer is what I learned when I was in Irish School of Ministry in, in Mozambique. The answer is not either or, it's both and more. We want to be like the leper that Jesus healed between Samaria and Galilee. You see, he healed ten lepers that day. And he told them, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed and healed of leprosy. They weren't just healed of a headache. They were healed of leprosy. And how many of them came back to Jesus to thank him? One! One out of ten! One out of ten came back and praised Jesus with a loud voice. He was the Samaritan. And Jesus says, this, what is this? Where are the other nine? Was, not, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Often I've prayed, God, if you could just perform a mighty miracle in our midst, thousands would come to you. We would see revival, and we would see your name be glorified. I wonder if that's true. Maybe. One out of ten is pretty bad, though. If the worship team could come, or just Andrew on the keys, I don't care, whatever you guys want to do. I pray that our pursuit is for more than just signs and wonders and revival. And that our Zion fellowship is more than being in a positive atmosphere surrounded by good people. I pray that our Zion fellowship trying to find, what did I say in the beginning? It's a sacred community regarded as sacredly devoted to God. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? What else do you want but Him? What else do you need but Him? Because I know I used to, I used to walk um, when I, I, I got so touched by the Holy Spirit when I was 15, 16. Just wanted everything for him. 
But he, I felt like he, I didn't, I didn't sense this call to ministry, so I went to engineering school, ended up getting a communications degree, working in marketing for over a decade now at a local investment company in Fairport. And I'd be on my lunch breaks, and I'd be walking in Powder Mills Park among the, the, the forest there with the Lord. And I'd be like, God, what is this? You know I burn for you. You know I burn. What am I doing here? Helping the wealth grow their money. <laughs> the wealth grow their money. <laughs> what am I doing here? Working on websites and graphic design and email campaigns and lead generation and all the jargon of that world. And it's not my passion. I feel like I'm putting on this front like I'm passionate about this. I don't care. I, I do it. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful that you provided me with this amazing job and this career and that I can provide for my family. But Lord, isn't there more? And so I'd be walking and pouring out my heart to him about this. You know what he would say to me? Philip, just come after me. Just come after me. He wants our whole heart. during a, one of his altar calls at the Brownsville Revival. Anyone here, was anyone here? I asked the first service, no one had raised their hand. Anyone here at the, was at the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola? Oh, come on. Wait, we got, whoa, whoa. Okay, I want to talk to you guys after. I, I, didn't, I wasn't able to go. I was, uh, maybe, I don't know, I didn't even know about it when it was happening. Um, but I listened to the compilations of the, of the recordings of it years later. And uh, they touched me in a profound way. I remember listening, I'd be walking, uh, my first job was um, working in my aunt's orchards. At the end of the season, they, they would prune the sour cherry trees, and I would go through with a pitchfork and move the prunes limbs out from the aisles into, or into the center aisles. I just have these memories of just listening to these compilations, just weeping before the Lord. And Steve Hill, during one of his altar calls at the Brownsville Revival, said, if you don't wake up with Jesus on your heart, go to sleep with Jesus on your heart, eat, drink, and breathe Jesus, I question whether or not you know him. You can go to hell with the baptismal waters on your face and a communion wafer on your tongue if you don't know him. John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have seen sent. If you're waiting for God to take you home to meet him, you don't need to wait. Eternal life is knowing him. And he made his home in us, right here.
consecrated our lives with one desire, to be with him, to be in communion with him, to do whatever it takes to be in communion and fellowship with him. When we go into the word, eat his word like you take communion in reverence and meditation, not a book or a devotional to get through, like sustenance that you savor. When you worship, worship with abandonment, without a care of what others around you think, with your eyes closed and fixed on the Lamb of God with a loud voice of praise, exalting the one who saved you. If you can't do that, you may want to check for rot. If you're coming in here and you're just passively listening to the worship team like they're a band, you may want to check for rot. And I might suggest you don't know him. And I say that with the sincerest of hearts because when you know him, you eat you, Jesus. You wake up with Jesus on your heart. You go to sleep with Jesus on your heart. He's your all in all. On Friday night, uh, we, some of us were at New Hope Fellowship where Bob Sorge was preaching. And he, and he demonstrated, you know, like what he does when he is praying before the Lord and how the Spirit talks about groaning. He talked about how here's your heart, here's your gut, and here's where the Lord dwells in here. And he said, this is, this is not theology, this is experience. But he got on his knees and said, you know, when we pray, we go here, come out of our head, and we go to him. He said, the groan is sometimes like this. I know many of you have experienced this. It's not in tongues. It's not a shout, a yell, a whisper. It's just... And you enter in. dwelling place right now. We enter your courts right now. Come on, church, let's go. Let's close your eyes. Let's not be spectators. Lord, we enter your courts. Our souls long. Yes, faith cry out and sing for joy to the Lord of hosts. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. We don't want a life without knowing you. We don't want the emptiness that the world offers without you. 
We need you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. How sweet it is to be in your chambers, Lord. You say, seek my face. Your face, Lord, will I seek every day of my life. Your face I will seek, not just your hand, but your face will I seek. And I will come into your courts, and I will pursue you, my God and my King. And you will make your home in me. Better is one day better is one day in your house with you than a lifetime elsewhere. Let that be true of me, Jesus. Let it not just be a psalm I read, but let it be my heartbeat. Let it be me. Be my everything. in you, in your place all fear is gone, in your secret place all pain is gone, your joy abounds, your love overwhelms, and I know who I am, and I can walk in your power, I can walk in the resurrection power of your Lord, I pray for this fellowship, the sacred fellowship that we would be devoted to you, devoted to your secret place, that we don't look for pulpits, but that we look for closets to pray in, that we don't look for positions, that we don't look to be recognized by anyone other than you that we would find you in your dwelling place. That we would daily go there to be with you, Lord. Lord, and for those of us where the flame is just flickering and maybe it's just coals at this point, Lord, we breathe on those coals and we fan the flame of your spirit. Heal the rot, heal the leaves of this tree, Jesus. I want to be connected to the vine. I want to be rooted and grounded in you. I want to be close to you, Lord. Give me the grace, Jesus, to know you to love you, to find you, to be with you. We hope this message has encouraged and challenged you in your walk with God. This podcast is a resource of Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York. If you would like to learn more about us, visit us on our website at zionfellowship.net. 
Blessings to you as you continue your day.